Greetings from Wisconsin, way up north. And I am here after a crazy four-day trip that took me from Quartzsite, Arizona, all the way up to western Wisconsin and pretty far north in western Wisconsin. The last time I recorded, the, uh, the sun was shining, beautiful desert, 75, 80 degrees. Today, I am in a shed. <laughs> Uh, essentially on a farm in western Wisconsin and the sun is shining and uh, there is still snow on the ground this far north and last night I stepped outside briefly Uh, it was very cold and I was greeted with a sight which I have not seen in years and that is the northern lights so this demonstrates the age-old axiom that we all deal with as nomads which is you know, when you're in a beautiful place, California, Arizona, Florida, South Texas, and it's warm, and it's still the early stages of spring, so it's really not spring and summer yet, you will often be called away. I got called away. Obviously, my mom my mom died in January of, uh, I think it was 21, and somebody very important to me passed away, and I had to, uh, I had to come to Wisconsin. And so I am here. We'll talk about it in podcast 1093, The Northern Lights Again, the Bob Davis podcasts. Well, I'm back in the in the far reaches of the north, still snow on the ground. It is beautiful, but soon the snow will melt and what was left of your garden after this very difficult winter up here will be visible. It is brown. It is. It is. Uh, it looks terrible. It's messy, and you probably would like to get some help to uh, to uh, refresh your garden for the coming season. And for that, I'm going to recommend GardenGurusMN.com. So when you look out and you see your formerly beautiful garden that maybe looked great in the fall, it looks completely out of control at this point. The soil might be looking tired and thin. Uh, It just might look brown and awful, and you know it's going to be a lot of work. So Garden Gurus MN can either do a garden makeover for you. They can get it ready for you to do what you do. Plus, they can stage real estate, and they do home or business. And I love these guys sponsoring me. I've wanted to get somebody who does this kind of stuff as a sponsor for the Bob Davis Podcast for a long time. Garden Gurus MN. Yes, the gardening is a lot of work. The fun part of it, I think, is seeing things come up and bloom. And it's also figuring out what to plant and how to plant and all those things they can help you with. GardenGurusMN.com Yes, up in Wisconsin, western Wisconsin, pretty far north, there is still snow on the ground. So it, it's even though it's spring and it's spring here, there's still all the snow has not melted. In fact, there's a lot of snow still on the ground. I'm on kind of a, I'm in a shed on a, essentially a farm. The shed is not heated. This is a big old shed with lots of uh, lawnmowers and and uh, other implements and boats and things like that in it. And uh, I'm in the shed because at least it's out of the wind. So at night. Uh, I have, I have, I'm on shore power, so I'm hooked up. I've got my electric heat and everything, and it's, it's actually quite pleasant in here. But I'm not out in the wind. I'm inside the shed. And last night, I stepped out to uh, just look around, and uh, I happened to come around the other end of the shed, and I looked up, and there was the northern lights, and that was great. I haven't seen the northern lights in many, many years. They make you feel great. 
and uh, took a picture, and it, it it was just great to see the northern lights again. So what what happened, and how did I get here? And I'm doing this off the top of my head because I wanted to do another podcast this month. In addition, the month of March, I wanted to uh, talk about one of the things that happens with nomads is that uh, you you sit someplace, you camp someplace for a long time, and there's a sense of permanence, and then suddenly, without warning, you've got to go do A, B, or C. You've got to go someplace. A couple of years ago, I, I left Quartzsite in January after I'd just gotten there because my mom passed away, and uh, boom, drove to Virginia in three days or something. This time, um, I was sort of hunkering down for uh, the last couple of months of my stay in Quartzsite and, and really excited about it getting warm again, finally, after weathering. And, you know, for somebody up north, that's no hardship at all. Even if it's 50 during the day and 30 at night in the desert, that doesn't feel like winter at all. It feels like a late fall day in Minnesota where it's 55, 60 during the day and 30 at night. And we had a whole winter of that, so it was great. But someone very important to me uh, passed away, and I, I had to come to Wisconsin rather unexpectedly. We knew it was going to happen. We just didn't know. We figured it would be a few months, maybe even a year. Uh, but it, it happened more quickly than what we thought. And it it uh, it proves the age-old axiom that all, all nomads have this moment Every now and then where you got to sort of break the reverie and roll and head back home or head back to some place because of an emergency or, or whatever. And that's what this was. I was uh, pretty well settled into to a, a, a great site at uh, the Tyson Wash uh, long-term visitor area and Quartzsite, where if you aren't familiar with uh, Nomads and, and Quartzsite, there are all of these Bureau of Land Management uh, long-term visitor areas. They have water and they have trash and they have facilities for RVers to dump their uh, human waste, for lack of a better term. And they also have vault toilets for tent campers and, uh, you know, sort of vehicle campers like, like me, where there are some benefits, uh, some, you know, homely benefits and others we don't have. So we have to use uh, facilities. And the requirement is that if you don't have quote unquote drum tanks, you have to be up near a vault toilet. And so several of us were kind of right up front in the LTVA and we got to spend some great time, met new friends this year. Last year, I camped with Darcy Campos Extraordinaire and Pam, uh, Pam of the Pambulance and, um, uh, Sandy and and a few others got to know all those guys. This year, I stayed at the LTVA and got to know my friend Robert and Mike, of course, that I met last year with Alicia and uh, and Julia and and uh, uh, you know it's so interesting because because when you're forced to sort of sit, you de then you start developing uh, long term associations. And now that I've driven four days uh, across the country. I'm starting to wonder, well, gee, wonder what Tom's doing, and, and uh, how's Robert today, and wonder, wonder what crazy thing has happened down there. It's interesting to me because there's a sense of permanence when you're camping. It's like, you're, it's like your front porch, you got your camp pad out, your, your sort of uh, RV pad, whatever those things are made out of plastic. You got all your stuff out there. You got your fire pit. You have your wood, 
And I was all settled in for the weekend to have fires and cook some steak and, and whatnot. And of course, got the word and I was rolled up and ready to roll within 30 minutes. So I said goodbye to everybody and took off and proceeded to I did a really good job navigating. I was fascinated with the, the, really excited about the navigating part of it. And the idea was I wanted to angle up from Quartzsite right up to Wisconsin. I don't do interstates. So you really got to look at the maps and figure out what way you're going to go. And I went, uh, obviously I took the 10 to New Mexico and I started angling up through Mexico to come out uh, the the upper uh, northeastern corner of New Mexico in Texas for about, I don't know, 100 miles maybe, and then into Oklahoma, continuing to angle up into uh, Kansas and, and across that little corner of Kansas up into Missouri and then on up into... Um, uh, how did I do that? I think I angled up, yeah, into Missouri through the Ozarks continuing to roll sort of, uh, you know, north, slightly north, slightly northeast, and then all the way up through Iowa and uh, and then southern Wisconsin, uh, sliding into Minnesota briefly and then back over the bridge into western Wisconsin. And uh, that was quite a trip. That was crazy. It was a, quite a, a trip. And, and it's amazing to me that we will we will literally pack up I gave my wood to uh, Liz and, and Kelly, my, my tent camping friends right down the way, said goodbye to Robert, said goodbye to Tom, really worried about Tom uh, Tom's dog, Barney, because he's not doing well, said goodbye to my favorite dog, Harry, and I was gone. You know, sent a text, said goodbye to Mike, and, and then sent a text to Pam and, and Darcy and Sandy that were camped down at Plumosa Road, which is about 15 miles from where I was. And within 40 minutes, I was gone. I dumped, some, I dumped my trash, came back, rolled everything up, put it in the truck, bang, I was gone. And it's amazing to me that you just roll up that fast and you go forward and and uh, and and you go across the country. I kept going south. I wanted to stay south as long as I could because I wanted to stay warm as long as I could for uh, you know night camping. And I think I slept in. I guess it was three truck stops. So so it's three nights and a day. Uh, and I was back in Wisconsin. The southern part of Wisconsin right now is is the snow's all gone. So it's literally spring in the southern part of Wisconsin. And it was actually pretty warm. When I got up here to sort of the mid part of the state, western Wisconsin, there's tons of snow still up here. It's still pretty cold. Like the highs are 40 and the lows are in the 20s. Being And I'm in a shed, as I said, so I'm out of the wind primarily. But I stepped out and saw the Northern Lights, and, and so that's the title of the podcast. Just fantastic to, to be up and actually be able to see the Northern Lights this time when there is a display of the Northern Lights, and seeing the snow is actually kind of refreshing. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be happy to see the snow, but the, seeing the snow again is kind of refreshing. Now I just hope it, it all melts. It doesn't take long to fall back into the old Midwestern habits of, well, you know, it's late March. When, why is the snow still here? But usually, especially this part of the, of the state or whether you're in Minnesota or, or Wisconsin, I don't know what's going on in Michigan, but uh, it should be all gone by mid-April. 
So I have another two or three weeks. And so now I have to go through the whole process of waiting for uh, winter to be over and, and, and then spring to actually begin, which I'd already completed when I was down in, uh, in Arizona. And yeah, I am stuffed up. You know, it's just part of the, part of the realm. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a death in the family that brought me back here. And uh, it is, um, it's been a very, very interesting and in many ways cathartic experience. It was somebody very important to me. It's not my family. It's my, my father-in-law that passed away and he was like a second father to me. So I, I am here because of him and uh, seeing people and, and I will be here for a while. The whole point of, uh, of sort of sitting still for so long had to do with the price of fuel. And we're going to talk about that and a few other loose ends in the second half of this podcast. Well, I want to thank everybody donating to the Bob Davis podcast over the last few months. Uh, really appreciate uh, those of you who have supported the effort with podcasting and the, the nomad experience uh, through the bobdavispodcast.com, the donate window. You click on that and then that takes you to PayPal and you can do what you want. You can do a continuing donation, $5, $10, whatever you want to do, or you can just give me uh, whatever you want to give me. And I appreciate everything because it all goes in the tank when I'm traveling. So uh, I really, really appreciate that. And you can find the Bob Davis Podcast, of course, at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, the whole Amazon structure, whatever it is, Audible, I guess it is, and lots and lots of other places. So thanks for listening and subscribing to the Bob Davis Podcast. If you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, it will, it really that really helps the feeds and it helps what I'm doing, and I really appreciate it. I know a number of people have made donations over the last few days. I really appreciate that. And I will get you guys all thanked specifically and directly in uh, in the next podcast. So if you listen to podcast 1069 and 1068, uh, these were recorded as part of a series of podcasts that I did kind of at the beginning of this inflation that we've all sort of been living through and continue to live through, although the inflation is not what it was. And I talked about uh, shifting due to conditions to st- sitting still and not traveling as much as I had traveled the first year of my nomad life. Keep in mind, I've been traveling off and on, uh, which is what many nomads do uh, from 2014, 2015 on. And I decided to get rid of everything and just travel permanently and I still love it, and I still think it was the best thing I ever did. You know, people always say, and, and and especially here in Wisconsin, you know, sort of reconnecting with people I've known for years. What's it like? Uh, you know, tell me about it. And I, I I will say, you know, it's it's difficult. It's not for everybody. Uh, but if you like to to travel, uh, it's great. Uh, th- this is not an RV, and the, and the, and so there, I don't have some of the comforts at home that an RV has. But I'll tell you, one of the things that I've learned in my PhD nomad studies this winter and last winter is you don't necessarily want an RV to do this because RVs are not, and especially through in, from during the from the start of COVID on. These RVs are not built for continuous living and travel. People do, but they are constantly deal with dealing with broken systems because they're not they're cheaply built, many of them. And they're constantly dealing with things breaking and and uh, 
and and it costs a lot of money to get leaks fixed and to get air conditioning fixed and to repair things if you can't do it yourself with an RV. So I find myself actually grateful that I have an ambulance and it, and it hasn't been turned into an RV. It, it could literally be cleaned up and put back into service as an ambulance, but it's my home and I'm actually in the shed. There's a cabin here. I can sleep in the cabin, but I'm in the shed sleeping in my truck because uh, this is my home. This is where I'm most comfortable. And it doesn't have all the comforts of home. So, you you know, uh, all during the time I was in Arizona, both last year and this year, you know, I, I made every meal uh, with the exception of breakfast. And sometimes I did make breakfast over a campfire. So I'm, I'm, I'm not used to uh, using a kitchen. I can certainly use a kitchen. Obviously, I know how to do that. But you get used to being dirty. You get used to uh, spending a lot of time out in the middle of nowhere. You get used to making friends with people that you don't know. You get used to networking with people and, and learning uh, the lore of this. And, and I like to refer to sitting around the campfire and talking about this stuff as kind of a PhD program in how to be a nomad. So when people ask, what's it like? It's kind of hard to, to explain but it still has this tremendous feeling of freedom. And it also gives me this, the flexibility that if I am called back shortly, uh, then it's not that big of a deal to kind of pack up and go to, to handle a, a, you know, a huge obligation. And even now, uh, it, it's not that big of a deal to just sit. I'll be sitting here for, you know, I don't know how long. And the reason I started all this was that... Um, The issue, if you re you recall podcast 1069 and 1068, specifically this whole two of a whole series of podcasts I did about the inflation, I, I got mad and I was like, I'm not paying five. I can't. First of all, I can't. And second of all, I refuse to spend five dollars and 30 cents or six dollars and 50 cents or, or whatever it was for diesel to travel around the country like I did the first year, where I just literally went coast to coast and border to border a couple of different times in the first year of travel. The second two years, I have gotten to know people and I have grown to, to appreciate the deep connections that you forge with people in a very short period of time uh, when you're just kind of sitting in the desert. And I'm sitting in the desert because I refuse to uh, pay that much for fuel. Well, now I'm in Wisconsin, and part of the reason I could do that is because a, we are seeing uh, we are seeing disinflation, and we're almost to the deflationary point where it pertains to the price of fuel. We are now back in terms of crude oil uh, to uh, le price levels that we saw prior to January of, uh, I think, 21. So the inflation really started kicking in in January of 21, and that's when fuel prices started going up. And that's when I basically reached a turning point where I think I paid for 430 or something and 469 in the desert in Nevada. And I, I knew that, that I had to figure something out. I had to figure out I was going to have to sit because I couldn't, I couldn't afford to continue to spend that money. This time coming across, I pay, I paid like three fifty or something for diesel. At one point, 
that was amazing. Three forty nine, and then I paid three sixty three under four dollars and well under four dollars most of the way, which made it a lot easier to travel. So all the things I talked about in those podcasts, where you're starting to see prices tumble, now we can orient to uh, a new way or a new you know sort of uh, project and maybe travel a little bit more. And so I'm going to be sitting up here in Wisconsin till probably late July. So I'll be here at least until July 4th, and then we'll see what happens after that. My sense is we are going to see continuing disinflation, and we're, we're probably going to see some deflation, in, in, and that means a general... So first is a general reduction of prices within inflation, the inflation rate, and then after that... Uh, a general decrease in prices uh, over time. And I, I do think that uh, uh, gasoline and diesel uh, and natural gas are going to be a part of that uh, process. I know there's a lot of people talking about renewed inflation. Most of what I hear is that that is predicated on the idea that somehow the Federal Reserve is going to start lowering interest rates and trying to stimulate the economy. I'm not sure that they're going to do that. And I'll, I'll leave that to a future podcast. We, we, we have to see. I decided to stop doing so many of these podcasts about the economy because I, I reached the point where I said, you know, let's just wait and see what happens. And when we have a bookend, then we'll, we'll say, okay, we've reached a point where we now can talk about here was what I said was going to happen or could happen. Here's what has happened and here's where we are. So we're, I'm still going to sit because I learned the value of uh, conserving resources unless you unless you kind of know where you're going and what you're going to do. Uh, I love to roll. I love to be behind the wheel. In fact, I was talking to my friend Robert a couple of different times before I left, and, and we both were saying, and Mike too, that we were getting really antsy. We were just getting to the point where it's like, I just I just want to get behind the wheel. And so I really enjoyed, even though it was for you know a difficult purpose, I really enjoyed uh, coming across all of those states. So let's see, that was New Mexico, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Missouri, <laughs> Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. So seven states, and. And I really loved how I angled up. So some I was in Texas for two minutes. I almost don't want to say that I was in Texas. But, I mean, it wasn't two minutes, but it was probably, I don't know, a couple of hours of traveling through Texas. Now, I have the opportunity to sort of plan what I'm going to do for the next three or four months. Uh, I need to get a little bit of work done on the truck got some alignment issues that inevitably every time I take a trip in this thing that happens and I've got some engine work that is not real not real significant but some things that need to be done along those lines and I'm super super excited because I don't know if you guys follow the campulence man this is um, a guy named Dave who drives uh, an ambulance and he's got it tricked out like crazy in there but he's also very meticulous, and he reviews things like uh, power stations, let's say. He just did a couple of videos reviewing uh, uh, these uh, GRE cell, G cell uh, power stations, and I bought one. 
and I cannot wait. Uh, he's shipping it up. I can't wait to uh, to get hold of it. So I'm adding the the power station as a compromise between. I I looked at this vehicle and I thought, do I really want to spend four or five thousand dollars putting solar in this vehicle? There's there's no microwave. There's no oven. There's you know I don't have a generator type thing. I don't have air conditioning in this thing. So I decided that a power station, a solar power station that can be recharged uh, with the power of the sun, or it can plug into the 110 while I'm driving and 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 uh, charge off the the alternator. I, f- I felt like that would be uh, a perfect compromise. And if I wanted to, at some point, I could put a I could put a solar panel array on top of the truck, and then it would just it would just uh, charge directly into the the solar power station. So it's basically a lithium ion battery with some other features electronically. I'm super excited about that. So then I can finally get an actual refrigerator. So I'm going to get one of those refrigerators that will run off the power cell. Now here in the shed, I am on shore power. So I don't have to worry about any of that in the shed. So we're shore power is great. So I've got electric heat in here. I've got all my lights. Everything's great. But as soon as you're offshore power, then you've got to have this other option. So this is probably the bet. This is the biggest improvement. I I got all new tires before. Now I got to get some mechanical work taken care of. I got to get this alignment issue straightened out because I'm going to chew up a tire if I don't. And those are the that's the plan in general for the next uh, three or four months here in Wisconsin. And I'm really looking forward to the. That's sort of the the full on change of seasons that you get up here. Right now, it's just you can hardly even go out there because it's so bright because of the snow. And I'm again surprised at how happy I am to see the snow. Part of it is I know I'm not going to be. It's not going to be forever. This should be gone pretty soon. But that whole process of warming up through April, you kind of hit that first day in May when it's seventy degrees. And then we have summer, and I will be uh, here until probably around July 4th, maybe a little bit later. And then I'm rolling back across the uh, Midwest and Northeast because I have an engagement to go to uh, in uh, New Hampshire in, uh, in uh, I guess it's uh, the first part of September. And then after that, I'm coming back down to Quartzsite. So I have a lot of traveling ahead and a lot of thinking about where I want to go and what I want to do. I got to tell you, last year or two years ago, I went uh, to the Northeast and I really, especially upstate New York, really loved it. And I'm looking forward to New England again and, uh, and the, the, you know, Northern New York and New Hampshire and Vermont because uh, it's been a while since I've been there and I, I really enjoyed that. And then, and then, and then the question is, how do I go back to Arizona? Do I go down the East Coast and cut across? I will probably angle back down from uh, New Hampshire, sort of diagonally all the way down to uh, to Arizona for uh, year uh, four of uh, nomad travel. And then in conclusion, I guess I would just say that uh, going to funerals, and, and, and usually this is the only reason that I would pack everything up and and just unexpectedly drive four days back to Wisconsin because my plan was to come up here very slowly. I was going to leave uh, Arizona sometime around uh, late May 
and I was going to sort of meander my way up to Wisconsin camping. I was going to go through Colorado, camping in the in the San Juans, and and uh, and then uh, all across the Midwest. I was going to go up through Nebraska, and you know that that all went out the window. When you quite literally have to put somebody in the ground, it seems harsh to say it that way, but uh, when you go through the whole process, the grieving process, and everybody in the family uh, grieving and you're grieving and you think about the you think about life and it's very interesting to me my father-in-law uh was an amazing person very highly accomplished uh was very strong for everyone he was strong for his family uh, i talked about uh how he shielded his family and uh i my father died when I met my father-in-law. So I was dating his daughter and we were about to get married and I met him right as my father passed away. And I kind of adopted him to be my second father. And I was very lucky, very blessed to have been able to uh, be a friend of his, to be uh, to be respected enough to be an actual friend of his, and to learn from him. And he was a farmer and a, a and an entrepreneur and a businessman, and very intelligent. And we just, I think, I told these stories at, at the funeral about how you know he just would sometimes shake his head and have this look on his face like, "What on earth is in your head?" You know, because we try to help him with all the things that he did, uh, and. Uh, just an amazing person and and yet this this sort of theme and i noticed this with my mother you live your life when you pass and you go on to to the next adventure whatever it is it's just shocking to me how suddenly you it's like they obviously you you leave your body so you shed your body, but you don't just shed your body. You shed all of the trappings of what you had in this life on earth. I'm sitting in this shed where he and I worked on things, fixed tractors or, uh, you know, did woodworking stuff. And, you know, and when I say he and I, I was, I'm handing, I'm holding the wrench and handing him this. And, you know, I don't, I didn't know what he was doing, but, but just spending time up here with the big door open and the sort of breeze coming through in the summer. Um, you know, all of this is left behind. And I think this is one of the reasons I love to travel so much and just to sort of see it and, and, and experience as much as I can passing through all these different places where there's all these different stories and all these different people. We leave all this behind when we leave. And it's, it's still, and obviously it's still fresh, but it's so bizarre that you have this person who is it, and my father is the same thing. This tremendous presence. My mother, this tremendous presence, and now my father-in-law, this tremendous presence, and they're gone, but all their stuff is still here, and their presence is in all of these things, and the memories that that you have. It just is so bizarre to me, and uh, I I don't know how to connect that necessarily to nomad travel, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, so it's been you know a, a whirlwind four days of travel, and then here in two days of making preparations and helping, and then figuring out what to say, and uh, being very actually nervous that what I had to say was gonna be worthy, and 
I'm just exhausted. Uh, and, 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 and I feel great. I feel good. But I'm, uh, I'm continually amazed at the, the ephemeral nature of this life and the time that we have. And I think that's one of the reasons I love to travel and I love to be on the road because I love to, to experience all these things in life. And I guess the point is, you know, you have to do what's in your heart. You have to do what's in your heart because you're not going to be here forever. And you might be gone more suddenly than you think. So being able to drive through the desert, being able to drive through the mountains, being able to camp in and to think and to share and to get to know great people and to have the conversations around the campfire and laugh at yourself and laugh at other people and have them laugh at you. The, the bonds that we share as nomads... When you ask people, when people ask, what's it like? That's probably the one thing that's so hard to explain. The depth of the bonds. I'm sitting here thinking, gee, I wonder how Tom's dog Barney's doing. Barney was sick. How's, how's, how's Robert's dog? How's Bonnie doing with her, whatever she was up to? You know, how's Pam? How's all, you know, you, you have these deep bonds that you develop people over a very short period of time camping and you're, you, you're struggling to get to know them, and there's this whole level of respect that you have, too, because you're just trying to, to form relationships with people you don't know from walks of life that you don't know. And these are people that you would never have any con- uh, you know, contact with if you didn't, uh, didn't do that. I love all that. And, and, and even that, in a way, has kind of a, a, a kind of a temporary feel to it because you're going to go, they're going to go, you may see them again, you may not. And yet you still have this incredible bond uh, from just camping together for, for a period of time. And you do things for each other. You share, hey, I got five boxes of pretzels. Do you want some? You know, do you, wanna, you guys want to come over for dinner? Or can I help you with your tent? Or will you watch my stuff while I go in? I have an emergency I have to deal with. Can you watch my stuff? I mean, that's, that's one of the really cool things about, about all of it. I think there's a, there's a connection there between the, the, the sort of temporary nature of the nomad experience as well as literally the temporary nature of life itself it's just a longer wave glad to be here freezing in the shed but uh uh it's just uh, it's going to be a very interesting spring and summer so thanks for bearing with me and listening to kind of tying up some loose ends and letting you know where i'm at right now shout out to uh, to all of my fellow nomad campers and i will see you when i see you thanks for listening to podcast 1093 the northern lights again the bob davis podcasts <gasps> Boop. the words i have to say may well be simple but they're true until you give your love there's nothing more that we can Love is the opening door Love is what we came here for No one could offer you more Do you know what I mean? 
Have your eyes really seen? You say it's very hard to leave behind the life we knew. But there's no other way, and now it's really up to Love is the key we must turn Truth is the flame we must burn Freedom the lesson we must learn Do you know what I mean? Have your eyes really seen? 